There's a problem that's really common in poor countries all over the world. Things are bad, and leaders know exactly what needs to be fixed, but it's really hard to figure out where to start. Say the education system in your country is terrible, so you try to make it better. But the thing is, the education system is terrible because the teachers are always on strike, and the teachers are always on strike because they don't get paid, and they don't get paid because the government can't collect taxes. Oh, and by the way, because the government can't collect taxes, it also can't pay the police. So there's violence and chaos in the streets. What do you do about this? How do you fix this? It turns out there is this one new idea floating around it. Kind of a crazy idea. It goes like this. You take one little empty corner of your country and you say, right here, we're going to try an experiment. We're going to get rid of our laws. We're going to get rid of our police force. We're going to get rid of all of it. And in this little corner, we're going to start from scratch. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Jacob Goldstein. And I'm Khana Jaffe. Well, today's show is the story of two people actually trying to make that idea happen. Two guys who fell in love with this idea independently, found each other, and then go out in the world and try to make it a reality. One is a world-famous North American economist, and the other is the chief of staff to the president in a small country where everybody pretty much agrees everything needs to change. This idea that these two guys fell in love with, they think it's the answer to one of the oldest and most important questions in economics. How do poor countries and poor people get less poor? And economists are still stumped by this question. But our our two guys in the show today, they think they've figured it out. The first of our two guys is the world-famous economist. And I'll take this part of the story. His name is Paul Romer, and he's been flying around the world with his idea. We should seriously consider building hundreds of brand new cities, pick a a totally uninhabited site, and to say, we're going to create another alternative. And the city you build on this uninhabited site, Paul calls it a charter city. The idea is this city has its own set of laws, its own cops, its own courts, its own schools, everything. This is a city where you start from scratch. And to make sure that the cops and courts and schools in this new city are good ones, you have to get help from rich countries. So say you get the U.K. to let court cases in the charter city be appealed to courts in the U.K. Maybe Canada sends in some Mounties. Now, Paul says, you have a place that works right inside a poor country that doesn't. Paul first came up with this idea, and he was so excited about it, he started telling his colleagues, everybody who would listen, and they were not so impressed. Here's Gordon Rouser, an economist at UC Berkeley. Romer, Romer's idea was way out there. <laughs> and here's Angus Deaton. He's a Princeton economist and also not a fan. I mean, I remember being surprised. I mean, he was advocating a reintroduction of colonialism. So I don't approve of it. I think it's a terrible idea. Colonialism. Paul heard this over and over again. That big idea of yours sure sounds a lot like colonialism. You know, I've struggled with how to um, respond when, when people say that. So I have to tell you one thing about Paul Romer in order to understand why he would struggle with this. He says he has a hard time understanding these things called emotions people seem to experience. I, I've, I've been accused of being like, you know, Spock in Star Trek. That, you know. <laughs> Paul Romer is the only person I've met who footnotes conversation. You ask a question, and you can see him laying out his answer in paragraphs. But before he can get to his paragraphs... 
there's, there's probably a, a, a footnote worth, but just as a footnote, maybe for some actually, just a, a footnote. And so when people call Paul Romer's idea colonialism and get emotional when they get angry, Paul responds in his Spock-like way. It may seem incredibly obvious to most people that you hear this idea and you think of colonialism. For Paul, he has to actually go through and analyze why people are responding that way. I think what's going on is they're saying, this is similar to something else I've heard about. This something else I've heard about both didn't work very well and has serious moral uh, shortcomings that, that we... we so, I think you cracked that code. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then the, the question is, how do I explain why this is different? There are some things that it shares with the previous colonial enterprises, but there's this fundamental difference. At every stage, there's an absolute commitment to freedom of choice on the part of the societies and the individuals who are involved. Choice. Choice is what is central to Paul Romer's plan, he says. If a poor country wants to invite another country in, and everybody who chooses to go to this new charter city is making a choice to move there, then it's not colonialism. Still, Paul Romer's idea wasn't catching on. And he was so convinced that this was a real answer, he was sure that if he could just figure out the right way to describe it, to capture people's imagination, he just needed a way to package his Charter City's idea just right to make it sound, okay, maybe a little out there, but also maybe brilliant. And so Paul turned to the place our culture looks to hear world-changing ideas in easy-to-digest, Facebook-friendly, 18-minute packages, TED Talks. In 2009, he got up on stage in front of an audience and made his case. Paul Romer nailed it. It is everything a TED Talk aspires to. There are emotional hooks, there are graphs, there's data bouncing across the screen, there's jokes. It would help to have a manual. There's an African child named Nelson studying under streetlights because his inept government can't get its act together. And by the end of the talk, Paul Romer has outlined an answer to the problems of the developing world. It is an answer called Charter Cities, and it is an idea that, with the help of the TED producers, does not sound like colonialism. We can keep moving progress forward and truly make the world a better place so that people like Nelson and his friends don't have to study any longer under the streetlights. Thank you. Tana, more than 300,000 people watched that video. One of them was sitting in front of a computer in the presidential palace in Tegucigalpa, the capital of Honduras. His name is Octavio Sanchez, and he's the chief of staff to the president. And when I said, oh, this is the same thing. It was the same thing that Octavio had been dreaming about bringing to his country for a long time. Octavio, of course, is the other main guy in our story. But at this point, he and Paul have not met yet. But he is exactly the kind of guy Paul Romer had in mind when he did that TED Talk. He's a guy with power in a real country who could make things happen. We talked with Octavio for hours in this little room off the courtyard of the Honduran version of the White House. The, the walls of this room were wood paneled and there were portraits of former Honduran presidents on the walls. And Octavio, as he was talking to us, he had this way of gazing out the nearest window and, and talking about big ideas for Honduras. And he looks so much like a national dreamer sometimes that it can seem fabricated. But it is not. Well, the, the thing is that, uh, that since I was a small kid, uh, uh, I had always aspired to see my country become a developed nation. Octavio is 37 now. 
When he was 16, he published a novel imagining Honduras in the year 2050 as a developed country. And the book is a series of these wonky, dreamy sort of stories of how the country got there. He dug out a copy for us. And it's this really sweet, nerdy teenage thing that the first line of the introduction is something like, you know, I hope I always see the world as I see it today, full of hope and dreams and without rancor. And then when Octavio is in his 20s, he and his friends, they build this giant spreadsheet to analyze every country in the world to figure out which countries Honduras should copy. They list everything they could think of, the form of government, the level of inequality, the measures of corruption. This is the kind of thing that you put together with your friends when you're hanging out? Yes. Basically, I don't drink, so it was basically just sitting around <laughs> to drink a Diet Coke <laughs> and talk about what we could do. A few years later, Octavio got his chance. He became an advisor to the president of Honduras. But he quickly figured out that it was incredibly hard to get anything done because you could only fix one little piece at a time, and that didn't really get you anywhere. He thought he needed to fix everything. And there was one idea he heard at the time that had stayed with him. A colleague of his one day sat him down and scrawled something on a piece of paper. It was a solution to everything. He drew the, the map of Honduras and he just, uh, used to put a, a period in, in the middle of that map. So that's Honduras. That's Honduras and it's a, a really tiny spot in the middle of the map. So you just made a dot in the middle of this. Yes. He kept telling us, no, it's just taking a small space, a really tiny space, and doing all the reforms there. Instead of fighting to do two, three, or four reforms during the life of a government, why don't you just do all of those reforms at once in, in a really small space? And that's why this idea was, uh, was appealing. You know? It's really the possibility of turning everything around. So, Jacob, we've got two men in two countries who have both fallen in love with the same wild idea. And Paul Romer, you know, has this killer idea and no real country to try it in. Octavio has the same idea, but no way to sell it to his people and to the world. So when Octavio saw Paul's TED Talk, he knew he had found his salesman. And Octavio knew a Honduran guy who had taken a class from Paul at Stanford Business School. So Octavio asked this guy to set up a meeting with Paul in Washington. So I went to Washington, and I didn't, I didn't understand who was going to come to the meeting. I thought, this was, I thought it was basically just a group of young people who were um, hopeful about some change. You flew to Washington, D.C., just thinking you're going to talk to a few MBAs, MBA students. Yeah. <laughs> that is how desperate Paul was to find a country to try his idea. He was willing to travel to meet a bunch of students. And, of course, when Paul got to Washington, there was the exact person Paul needed, chief of staff to the president, Octavio Sanchez. And once Paul and Octavio meet, they're off. A month later, Octavio is introducing Paul to the president of Honduras, and the president says, yes, we should do this. But to do it, we're going to need to change the Honduran constitution. So Octavio brings Paul to Honduras to help him convince Congress to change the constitution. And Paul and Octavio, they are a great team. In January of 2011, just two months after Paul and Octavio first met, the Honduran Congress votes to change the Constitution, to make it possible for there to be a little piece of Honduras that's allowed to start from scratch. The Hondurans moved much more quickly than I, uh, than I expected. I thought it might be 10 years. Honduras was about to create a brand new city. Remember that dot on the map? 
we are there. We are in Honduras. The Caribbean is right over there. It's green. There's lots of palm trees. We're with a guy named Carlos Pineda. He's a Honduran official trying to make the city happen. Although right now what we're looking at is basically the opposite of a city. It's just a valley with huge expansions of land, scattered trees, and, uh, and, and a lot of green. This spot where we're standing, it took us a while to get here. Uh, somebody actually told us we should hire private security if we were going to come to this part of the country, partly because Honduras has the highest murder rate in the world. On the road on the way here, we passed factories where people work at low-wage jobs, if they're lucky to have jobs at all. The minimum wage in Honduras is $300 a month. Most people who have jobs don't even get that. In, in Tegucigalpa, the capital where we spent most of our time, things are so bad that politicians are giving away costs at the city morgue to win votes. But, Carlos says, this city is going to change all of that. He says he can imagine exactly what it will look like. I'm seeing a lot of people, particularly young people with children, parks, lots of trees, and uh, I see office buildings and, uh, and, uh, and, and condos and beach condos and hotels and, and coffee shops and uh, restaurants and roads, lots of roads. <laughs> The city, he says, will have good schools, good health care, good pensions. He says in 20 years, you'll see Hondurans owning tech startup companies here. I lived in Seattle for a while. Sounds like you're describing Seattle. Oh, yeah. It sounds reasonable, yeah. Seattle (laughs) and Honduras. Yes. Hopefully, yes. It'll be something like that, yeah. I I can see how it's, it's not, it wouldn't be believable right now. But I can tell you that it can happen. You really want to believe in Carlos's vision. But the whole time we were in Honduras, we kept hearing about these big problems growing with the project. And a lot of them, they grew out of that very first problem Paul ran into when, when he started talking about his idea, that it reminded people a lot of colonialism. Yeah, I mean, for the Honduran president and Congress, when they saw Paul's TED Talk, they saw a way to get all the benefits of a rich country right within their borders, right here in Honduras. But what people in Honduras saw in Paul's TED Talk was basically Yankee imperialism. This is Oscar Cruz. He's one of a number of lawyers who have challenged the project in Honduras' Supreme Court. He says charter cities violate Honduras' sovereignty, they violate its territory, and they violate the fundamental rights of all Hondurans. And he says the major promoter of of these things in Honduras is Paul Romer and maybe some other North American academics who who think they've discovered a magic formula to raise the world out of poverty. Octavio says, no, 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 no. What we are doing in Honduras is different than Paul Romer's idea. Yes, this new city would have many of its own laws and foreigners might be appointed as judges. But this city, Octavio says, would be run by a Honduran governor. He says the opponents just don't get that. You are seeing the reaction against a ghost, you know. What's the ghost? What do you mean? The ghost, it's basically people saying or being confused because we brought Paul Romer and saying that we are giving away a piece of our territory to a foreign nation. The only thing that they are using to make that claim is Paul Romer's TED Talk about a charter city and what we did here isn't a charter city. This is the ghost of colonialism, right? Yes. That it's it's basically a ghost they are accusing us of, of, of bringing to life.
And as all this drama is building, the personal relationship between Paul and Octavio, it starts to fall apart. Octavio, who at the beginning thought Paul's name would help him sell the project, now he thinks Paul's presence is hurting the project. Communication starts breaking down between the two of them. And all the while, Paul thinks he has a major role in the project. He thinks he's on this thing called the Transparency Commission for the Honduran Project, and he's flying all over the world trying to get other people to sign on. He even gets a Nobel Prize winner to back the project. And he goes to Sweden to talk to IKEA about building housing in one of these new cities. And then one day, Paul reads in the news that Honduras has signed a deal with some private firm. Paul doesn't know anything about it. He's stunned. So Paul calls Octavio and asks, um, can, can I see the agreement? No, we can't show you that because there is no legal grounds to, to show you that. They said that um, it's protected by a non-disclosure agreement and they, they couldn't show it to me. But I'm a member of the Transparency Commission. No, you aren't. Then are you saying that I'm not? No, there's no Transparency Commission. And so that was just, I just, I just knew at that moment. It was over. Paul and Octavio talked one more time after that. Paul told Octavio he was resigning from the commission. Octavio told Paul there was nothing for him to resign from. There is a reason it has taken hundreds of years to figure out how poor countries can get richer, and really the world still hasn't figured it out. Even when you start with two guys who agree exactly on how to do it, even when you have a piece of land to start over on, a government that's ready to go, you still can't just get rid of hundreds of years of colonialism. You can't get rid of this long history of resentment, of miscommunication. You can't get rid of this huge gulf between the rich world and the developing world. So instead, Paul Romer let go of Honduras. And Octavio, who had been dreaming about that dot to start over on for years, he was also forced to let go of that dream. The Honduran Supreme Court just ruled the project unconstitutional. What happens next for the, for the dot? The dot dies. Uh, for forever in Honduras? I'm not sure that forever. There will be a country that will adopt it. I'm more than positive that this will happen somewhere. I don't know where. And it will be a success. Octavio says when people in Honduras see this successful city, they'll want to build one in Honduras. And right now, his best hope for that to happen somewhere else in the world is probably Paul Romer. Paul is back on the road. He is sure that if he can just get one charter city created somewhere, it will serve as proof that this is the answer to one of the oldest problems in economics, how to make poor countries less poor. He says he's got a promising lead in North Africa. So deep into the ocean you will stumble on the skin of snakes So let me know your nerves will lose the road As always, we would love to hear what you think. You can send us email at planetmoney at npr.org. You can also find us on the blog at npr.org slash money. I'm Jacob Goldstein. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Thank you for listening. And far out on the ocean with a colored nail of force the whale a tattoo all our crimes across his back And to see him swim up to the harbor of the city with the shiver in our buildings as we drown I said throw me in the fire now come on